Come on, give God the ovation of the night. Come on. He's good. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that you grant us to be in your house today. We'd rather be here than in the best hospital in the nation or in the, even in the world. We'd rather be in your care, in your hands, rather than the best surgeons, Lord, that, that this world could supply. You've just been awesome to us. You've had us in mind to give us a brand new year. And, Father, we just want you to accomplish your will through us. Lord, that you would uh, give us that special assignment that we're willing to take on this year. Father, I thank you. Thank you for allowing us to be in your house. And, again, while we're in your house, there's no doubt that you're working with all the issues and drama that we left at our house. And so we're here not because we have nothing to do. Some of us are here because we just don't know what to do anymore. But your word, Lord, throughout last night and throughout the day, has definitely put us in line again with your purpose and your will. And so I pray now, Father, that you help us, Lord, tonight. We're not selfish. In front of me, behind me, even on the sides of me, there's someone that needs a word, that needs uh, confirmation. And I just pray, Lord, that you would minister to them first. Because I know if you're moving passing in the aisle that I'm sitting in, you're not going to pass me by. And so, Father, now I ask for myself, I pray that you give me an anointing for this time, for this occasion, for this conference, and for this word. That, Father, the words that come out of my mouth will come out seasoned by the power of your Holy Spirit, and that it will do everything <clears throat> and all for which it was sent to do tonight in conjunction with last night and throughout the day today. And, Father, I pray that at the end of everything, may I become small and you become great. In Jesus' mighty, marvelous, majestic, and matchless name, amen and amen. You may take your seat. It's so good to be once again here. It's been, what, like three years maybe that I was here or so here in Kingsway. And uh, we just thank God. I thank God for the uh, man of God of the house, uh, Pastor Isaac, and also as vice president of, of the organization, and uh, I just feel honored to be able to share this pulpit with many that have shared it throughout this weekend and uh, have brought a word to you. I was getting a quick note, um, an update of what was going on today, and after he told me what everyone was sharing, I'm like, for real? I'm thinking, you want me to be here after all of that? Close this thing up. You know, I don't want to bury this thing here. And uh, anyway, I appreciate the confidence and uh, to be able to be intertwined with these great men that have participated throughout this conference. And uh, I pray that you've taken something home. I pray that uh, you've gotten some good getaways, taken some good uh, takeaways. And I pray that your desire and your passion to serve God has ignited and it's more than when you first came to the conference and that you will allow yourself to be used of God. I have been uh, given an assignment uh, fighting off wolves. I saw a documentary and, and they're pretty vicious. I, I don't know if you've ever seen wolves are never, never, hardly ever by themselves. They're, 
Uh, you may see one, but if there's one, I guarantee you there's three or four somewhere around that one. And, uh, and they can be vicious. And what's interesting is that Jesus said, I'm going to send you as sheep among the wolves. And basically, it was something about evangelism, that you're the sheep, and you're going to go among the wolves who are the unbelievers. A and there are some characteristics that you need to learn from the sheep to go and be before these wolves. And it's interesting that in that verse, not only did he talk about sheep, he talked about wolves, serpents, and doves. Oh, my. Um, and he tells us that we've got to learn from these, the serpent and even the dove, when we confront the wolves. And one of the things that the sheep, when it goes to evangelize, I don't know why I went off that, probably because feed my sheep and wolves, you know. Um, one of the things about that is that <coughs> when you go out to evangelize, sometimes it can be overwhelming. When a sheep sees a wolf, trust me, he starts shaking. And evangelism could be like that. But he says, well, you need to be like a sheep because sheep never intimidate a wolf. Hello, somebody. And what's interesting is that a lot of times when we want to go evangelize, we want to intimidate them, you know. A and sheep not only do not intimidate, they don't attack a wolf. What can a sheep do? And the other thing is that we need to learn from that side of that, that, you know, we don't need to come with an attacking gospel upon them. I mean, they know they're sinners, and we know that if they don't repent. But here's the th interesting thing I, I, I learned about that is that when a sheep goes in front of wolves, when a wolf sees a sheep, the wolf does this. It sees, it sees it as food. In other words, a sheep is appetizing. And when you talk to somebody as a sheep, when you talk with a wolf, you need to be appetizing. Hello. Do they want to be with you? Do they want to hear you out? You know? Uh, you need to be appetizing. And, and when they bite, trust me, you are on a sanctified hook. And when they bite, God's going to pull that hook and hook him in and bring him into the fold. Hello, somebody. And then he says, you got to be like serpents. And, and I don't have the time because I'm using most of my time, but I should be preaching. But then he says, you need to be like, like serpents, as wise as serpents. And, and, and just two things quickly. There's, there's a lot of things. Just two things about a serpent that it, it, it doesn't just show up. Voila, I'm here. It, it, it slithers. Hello? It, it, it slithers in and, and gracefully, you know, shows up. It doesn't just pop out. Not only that, it camouflages itself because it can, it can learn to fit in the setting and ambience that it's in. Hello? And sometimes we can't fit in because... Half of our words are scary. I want to talk to you about Jesus, and you need to be covered in the blood. 
And, and you need the Holy Ghost. Ghost. You know, you got to, okay, I, I'm preaching a long sermon here. Anyway, I, it was just so interesting. Anyway, another thing that a, a, a serpent does, it's never intimidated by the size of its prey. It can eat a deer. It can swallow whole a pig. It, it, it's not intimidated. And y'all shouldn't be intimidated. I don't care how long your spouse has not been serving the Lord. I don't care how far or how lost your children may be. The arm of the Lord has not been cut off that he cannot save. And his ear has not become deaf that he cannot hear. Don't you ever, ever say, I can't. It's impossible. He said, be wise as a serpent and a serpent studies its prey it doesn't just attack it studies it it studies it every movement wants to know how that bird jumps how high how he lands and, and what he because he wants to learn how to strike at the right moment and you need to learn to study your prey to learn what ticks off your boss so that you can boom, attack and give him the bite of Jesus that he can fix all things. Are you listening to him? You got to study how your brother or sister, what, what gets them agitated and, and what gets, makes them happy, what makes them sad so that you can attack the gospel and I don't mean attack and assault. I'm talking to be able to come in at the right time and say, this is what you need. You need Jesus. Learn how to study. Well, anyway, it, uh, it, I, I, anyway, I, it just came back to me when I saw my theme here, fighting off wolves. And I'm going to send you a sheep among wolves. And then it says, oh, there are some wolves, though, that are in sheep clothing. The verse or the verses of this theme is found in Acts chapter 20, verse 28 to 31. It says, take heed to yourselves and to the flock, all the flock, say with me, all the flock, in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, in which the Holy Spirit has made you leaders. You lead a certain flock, whether it's girls' ministry, men's ministry, women's ministry, youth ministry. You are a leader. You are an overseer of that flock. And then those of you that are pastors, you're overseer of the flock of the church. And he says that you have to heed, heed for yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to take care of the church of God, which he obtained with the blood of his own son. Verse 29, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come among you, not sparing the flock. Verse 30, I'm in verse 30 of chapter 20 of Acts, for those of you that are still looking for it. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking perverse things to draw the disciples after them. Verse 31. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease day or night or day to admonish everyone with tears. It's interesting that in the verses that 
we read, he starts off Paul saying, take heed. And then he finishes in 30, verse 31 saying, therefore, be alert. It's something that he deviates from after ministering to the Gentiles and ministering to all the other people. He takes time and he says, this, this convocation is now for the leaders. It's not for, for me right now. I'm not going to witness over there. I, I, I've done. If you read the, the, the verses before that, he says, I'm coming to meet with you because I know I'm about to die. I know I'm about to be sacrificed. And, and I just want you to know that I can go with clean hands because I've done my job. And for the last three years, I've been doing everything I can to make sure that you guys don't just start the race, but that you can finish it as well. And in these verses, he, he, he wants to teach them the whole counsel of God. He, he wants to let them know that I've not shrieked, I've not gone back, I'm not pulled away from any demand or any danger or even the doctrine that I have preached when I've been confronted. I've stood my ground. And as he's writing to these leaders, he's wanting to be an example to them. And, and he tells them, I, I want you to, to know that in order for, for everyone to be able to be saved and, 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 and inherit the kingdom and to, that their names be written in, in, in the book of life, they, they have to persevere. And I'm not going to be here long enough to see that happen. That's why I've gathered you together to let you know the responsibility that you have because it's not enough that you start. It is always the finish that is important. Hello, somebody. And he says, and I don't want you to just start living for God. In one moment you got saved and, and now you, you've stopped believing. It has to be persistent and consistent. And I'm about to get going. I'm about to leave. But I need to make sure that you as leaders take heed. Be on the alert. Be on the lookout. Be on your guard to be able to take care not only of yourselves but also of the flock of Jesus Christ. So what he is saying is I've invested three years in the church of Ephesus. I've been teaching and I've been praying and I have also been uh, uh, caring day and night and I've cried uh, my tears and probably he's saying I have even gone to sleep crying myself to sleep as I, I yearn and as I, I, I long to see the church of Ephesus not just start but be a church that will be a church that will make an impact in its community and its society but for that to happen there has to be Key leaders that are willing to take the challenge and the assignment when I'm gone. So he calls them and he says, I've invested. And he wants to make sure that there, there are leaders that when he leaves, uh, that there'll be leaders that, that will stay behind and who will pick up where he left off. That's why he's summonsing them and he's saying, I, I, I'm on my trip, I'm on my way to Jerusalem, but, but somehow in my spirit I felt I needed to come this way and talk to you before I go to Jerusalem. I, I've, led, I've been led by the Spirit to go over there and, 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 and it says that I, I'm going to be uh, uh, beaten up over there. It says that I'm going to be going through some tough situations, but before I go over there, I want to know that as I leave and I may never see you again, but I want to make sure that I 
I've got leaders that can say, Paul, you can go and fulfill your assignment, but you can go resting and you can go relax knowing that wherever you finished and wherever you left off, we will take that position and continue to teach, continue to preach, and continue to guard the sacred and holy doctrine that has been teached to us. He's wanting to make sure that they understand the importance of that. And so then, he read, as we read in verse 28, he reads and he says, look, there's two things you've got to look out for. There's two things you have to be alert about. There's two things you have to be on the guard. Number one, you have to be on the guard for yourselves. He says, you, first of all, have to make sure you take care of yourself. You have to be sure that you take care and, and, and oversee each other and be accountable to each other. You're the one that's going to continue the teaching and you have to make sure that the teaching is pure. You've got to be sure that you are people of integrity. You've got to be sure that you can be trusted. You're leading people and they will sometimes, if not all the times, they will follow, they will mimic, they will do what not only you do, but also what you say. And make sure that you not only talk the talk, but that you can walk the walk so that it matches up. And she says, so be on your guard. Make sure that you are going to be that example for them. But then he says, but also be on the guard. He says, be on the guard for the flock. Be alert. Let your eyes be opened for the flock. Not only for you, don't let that, that, that you become careless. Satan doesn't take vacations. And he's lurking and just waiting to see when there is an opportunity to be able to come in. Interesting that a snake can get in. Oh, I keep going back to that. Interesting that a snake can get in through any situation. I mean, it can, it can get into a hole like this. It knows how to adjust itself. Hello? And, and when Jesus said we need to be like serpents, as wise as them, we, we've got to learn how, how to adjust ourselves to get in to a situation. But here, he's saying Satan is lurking. He's looking for just, just give him a little hole. Give him a little opening. And he's just waiting for that opening so that he could come in and begin to distort the doctrine and distort the teachings. And so you've got to be on the alert for, uh, 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 and, and have heads up and eyes open to make sure that you are on guard and protect the church. He says you've got to protect the church. You've got to uh, protect it and make sure that your heart's right and make sure that the doctrine is right and make sure that your behavior should be the way it should be because the church is watching. But, but you've got to take care of all the flock. Say with me, all the flock. Because the duty of the leader is to take heed, to be on the lookout, to be on the watch, to be on the guard for all the flock, say with me, all the flock. Notice that he says, all the flock, not just the healthy sheep. Look at me, don't look at the person next to you. But look also at after the sick sheep. All the flock, not, not just the strong sheep, but look out for the weak sheep. 
Don't just look out for the responsive sheep that responds, but make sure you look out for the non-responsive sheep. That's your responsibility as well. And don't just look out for the faithful ones, but look for those that are not faithful and seek after them and, and look for them and be on the watch for them and, and not just those that are obedient in everything that we do all the flock and in all the flock you're going to find that there's some sheep that are not obedient hello that's another sermon on its own what the shepherd has to face when he finds out that he's been called to take care of God's flock because you have the fast sheep that thinks he knows how to get to where we're going faster than the pastor and so while he's running after it to try to hold it, he finds out that he has the slow sheep that says, why is such a hurry? We'll get there when we get there. Que sera, sera. <laughs> and he doesn't know that the fast sheep over there is vulnerable and can, because he's away from the flock, the wolf can eat him up. The same thing with the slow sheep because it stays so behind he becomes prey to a wolf. Hello? And, and then the shepherd finds out, you, you, you know what I'm talking about, that, that while he's try, trying to, to get the, the, the slow one and, and, and the fast one, then he also has the jumping sheep that jumps all the time the fence because supposedly I know where the good pasture is. Oh, it's over there. Hello? And then you have the stubborn sheep. When the shepherd says, okay, we're going to drink water here. No, no, no we're not. Well, it's time to go. I'm tired. It's time to sit. Hello? I know y'all ain't got that over here. We, Houston, oh, help us. We got a problem. That's why he's saying, you've got to look for all the sheep, because not all the sheep are where they should be. Because you're going to have the rebellious sheep, and you're going to have the fast sheep. You're going to have the jumping sheep. You're going to have the, the, the criticizing sheep. Hello? He says, and if they're part of the flock, you've got to take care of all of them. You, you, you've got to be able to understand that, that you have a responsibility for every member that you have been placed over, every flock, every sheep that is in your fold and in your care. And, and it must be of utmost important that, that every person knows their sheep. How can you take care of your sheep if you don't know what sheep you got? Hello. Oh, if they show up, yeah, but the other day you had 30, today you have 15. Where are the other 15? Do you care enough to say, wait a minute, man, there's a problem here. There's 15. Can we be like Jesus that, okay, I got 99, and, and, and yeah, but, but I had 100 the other day, and, and, and oh, I, I'm okay with 99. What's one sheep? Come on now. I, I can't. No, 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 no. He leaves the, the 99 and takes time and says, okay, while you're there, I, I could be sleeping. I could be playing racquetball. I could be out in the golf course. I could be at my knitting class. I could, hello, somebody, but, but, but this sheep is still as important as the 99 that I got and even though I got 99 I'm not satisfied this one didn't show up this one didn't come back this one we have no idea what happened and can you be 
like Jesus and seek out that one sheep. Hello. All the flock, say with me, all the flock. I don't doubt that the Holy Spirit is beginning to speak to some of you and you're beginning to remember some people that should have been here, that should be coming to the church, that have a month or two months that haven't been coming. And the Lord is prompting, and I pray that he does, that the Lord is prompting that and putting that in your heart and understand that every sheep is important to God. So he's saying you've got to be very, very careful. You've got to make sure that you take care of every individual, every sheep. Just like a shepherd, a real good shepherd, looks and counts. That's why Jesus said if he was not a good shepherd, he would have never noticed a 99. Hello, that one was missing. How do you know that one's missing? Because he took care and he made sure one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and he went all the way, taking time to count. And when he found out that he only stopped at 99, he might have counted again. Okay, let me try this one. One, two, three, four, five. Come on. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And he might have done it two or three times. He says, I'm convinced I'm missing one, and I better find that one. Because even though I am the shepherd, there is the chief shepherd that is going to call me to account for all the sheep that he gave me and all the ones that he's assigned to be saved in my church. So he says, you've got to make sure that you make sure that you know the amount of sheep that you have it's not if there's one thing that Paul was wanting them to understand was this that this is not merely another job are you listening this is not another profession or a profession among other professions God has given you a, a, a high calling and a sincere job. It's about life and death. I'm talking about eternal life and eternal death. This is not, and, and I'm not putting people down. If you're a lawyer, that's good. And if you're a doctor, that's great. If you're an engineer, I applaud you. But with all due respect, there is no higher calling that God has given man than the opportunity to work with him for the care of people whose life is at stake for eternity heaven or hell and you may be a lawyer thank you but you're not going to be able to negotiate with God to try to get somebody out of hell uh, excuse me your honor hello he says you've got to understand that the, what God has laid upon the leadership of the church it's a unique responsibility and it's a unique calling in all the world. And Paul is really stressing how high the stakes are in this work called the leadership of the church. Stakes are high here. Then he begins to say, I, I want you to really understand why my heart pulses this way. You see, because this flock is not just any flock, verse 28. He says, this flock take, took care of the church of God which was obtained with the blood of his own son. What he's saying is, I want you to understand that these aren't just any sheep. 
The people that you lead are not just any people. You've got to understand that there was a high price paid for them. They're not just anybody. It cost Jesus' son, Jesus Christ, his life. It cost Jesus Christ his blood to purchase and to redeem the sinner. You can't just think that it's just a group of people. There is a price of blood that was paid for them. I wish there was somebody here that understood that. You and I were purchased by the blood of the lamb by the blood of Jesus that ran down the cross at Calvary and it's a high price that was paid for everyone so he's saying wake up smell the coffee this isn't just a position this isn't just oh I, 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 I was no this is something that God himself gave his only begotten son to be able to save them it cost his son it cost Jesus blood so he's trying to stress this maybe that that will make some sense Maybe that, that, that'll help you understand how serious this thing is. If he was willing to give his life for the sinful, for the messed up, for the unworthy, then we as leaders must be willing as well to lay down our lives and to pour out our blood and to be able to pour out our sweat and be able to shed our tears for them because they were bought with a price. You know, would have to think of it this way. Let's say I'm going fishing with my son. And I'm going with some of you as well. We go into Corpus Christi, get on one of those boats from Port Aransas, and, and we go. And all of a sudden, one of my sons trying to look over, falls in there. Well, he's my, my only son, and so I, I dive in, and I finally, after 10, 15 seconds of desperate wanting to grasp for air, I'm able to grab him, and I come out. And I'm able to push him to you, and you grab my son. And just as I'm about to get on the boat, a shark comes and bites half of my body and chunks it out. I know I'm not really going to make it as I see my guts and my blood. But my last words to you is, promise me you take care of my son. That's the least you could do since I gave my life to save him. Are you catching the picture? And that's what Paul is trying to say. You were sinking so bad that he took a dive from heaven to come to this cluttered ocean called earth and came down and rescued you. And after he rescued you, he died, hung on a cross, and shed his blood. And Paul is saying, look at you. saying this is serious stuff. He, he says not only that, but please remember in verse 28, he says, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit made you leaders, made you overseers. You're not there just because 
you were voted in, God used the votes. And the Holy Spirit guided those votes because he wanted you in leadership. He wanted you at that church. He wanted you at that position. It's not just anything. You weren't there just because it was chance and you were lucky. No, the Holy Ghost chose you. The Holy Ghost wanted you. And the position that you have as a leader, it's unique. It's a high calling. And the third person of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. I can use Holy Ghost because we're all leaders here. I would use another term if the was this was a non-believer uh, a conference but this is leaders you know who the holy spirit is you know who the holy ghost was and when he was searching out in this chaotic world and knowing that there were sheep that were there without a shepherd and jesus was moved with compassion he says i'm gonna go up to the father but i'm going to send the holy spirit to come and you will receive power when the holy spirit the holy ghost that come upon you you will be my witnesses understand and this is a sacred and high calling that you have given by the Holy Spirit. This is what, what Paul is saying. Now I want to get to my sermon, really. Because remember, there has nothing, I've not talked anything about killing wolves. But then the third admonishment that he gives, because he says, not only was it blood, was it bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. Not only were you called to oversee it by the Holy Spirit, it wasn't just anybody. The Holy Spirit chose you and put an anointing on you and a calling on you and you accepted the calling. But then he goes on to say, he says in verse 29 and 30, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among you, your own selves will arise. From among your own selves will arise men speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. He is saying, you've got to look out because there are wolves. Fierce wolves. They're going to attack They're going to go all out. They're going to show up and fiercely they're going to just pull them out. No mercy. No, just poof, straight for the juggler. Just, there's wolves out there. That's why I'm pleading with you because I'm about to leave and I know for three years I've been preaching the sound doctrine. I know that for three years I've been a man of integrity. For the last three years you have seen my behavior. For the last three years I've been praying for you. For the last three years I've been teaching you. For the last three years I have been caring for you but I know that I know because I've perceived uh, while I was there I perceived that when I leave you're going to see the wolves come out some of them are going to come in others are already in just in cheap clothing and they're going to come after 
your fold. They're going to come after your flock, and they're going to come in. And, and you, I think in the, in the times that we're living in, I think it is more vivid now than before and how the enemy is infiltrating, how these wolves are infiltrating into the church and trying to destroy and trying to distract and how they're pulling marriages apart, how they're pulling families apart, how they're pulling and dividing the church. Even Paul had written to the Corinthians, hey, I've heard that when you guys get together, there is division among you. And so he says, now I'm coming to my sermon, you've got to fight off and kill those wolves. And Pastor Isaac tells me, could you focus on killing the wolves? I said, hmm. And even though there's a lot of, of, of examples that we could go through and, and just say, this was a wolf and this was a spirit, I, I wanted to simplify it, not for you, but for me. And so I was taken to First Chronicles chapter 20. Verse 4 through 8. Now it happened after that war, that war broke out in Gezer with the Philistines. At which Sibikai, Sibikai, the Hushitite, killed Sipai, who was one of the sons of the giant, and they were subdued. Verse 5, First Chronicles 20, verse 5. Again, there was war in the Philist with the Philistines. And Elhanan, the son of Jer, killed Lami, the brother of Goliath, the Hittite. The shaft of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. Verse 6. Yet again, there was war in Gath. There was a man of great stature with 24 fingers and toes, six in each hand and six in each foot. And he also was born to the giant. So when he defied Israel, Jonathan, the son of Shimei, David's brother killed him. These Philistines were descendants of the giants of Gath, but David and his warriors killed him, them. And then in 2 Samuel, chapter 21, 2 Samuel is after 1 Samuel. Chapter 21, verse 15 through 17, once again. The Philistines were at war with Israel. And when David and his men were in the thick of battle, David became weak and exhausted. Say weak and exhausted. Ishbibinab was a descendant of the giants whose bronze spearhead weighed more than seven pounds and he was armed with a new sword. He had cons cornered David and was about to kill him. But Abishai... Son of Zeruiah came to David's rescue and killed the Philistine. Then David's men declared, you're not going out to battle with us again. Why risk snuffing out the light of Israel? And this is where I want to close. These four giants, their names are prophetic. Just as the name of the ones who killed these giants. These four giants, we'll call them for today wolves, still exist in the church. 
These are the wolves that you need to kill and eliminate so that the church can fulfill its divine assignment. The first giant, and I'm going to go quickly. My time's really up. The first giant, his name is Sipai. It happened that afterward in Chronicles chapter 20, verse 4, when there was war that broke out, it says that uh, uh, this giant, and we'll call him Wolf, arises. The meaning of this Wolf, Sipai, means threshold, entrance, access, entry, door, and gate. Threshold, entrance, access, entry, door, and gate. And this wolf controls the advancement and the progress of the church because this wolf separates and divides and brings division to the church. His name means door. It, it means a, a threshold, entrance, access. And this wolf will control the church and will not allow it to progress and will detain its progression because it's always trying to form cliques and division within the church. And you can't move forward because this wolf is in the church. This wolf tries that whenever there's unity, comes in and, and tries to say something and wants to huff and puff and blow church down it's in the church they're subtle but they're there and when these giants arose or these wolves arose somebody had to kill it if there was going to be peace in Israel these giants had to be killed as long as these giants were around, there would always be frustration. There would always be war. There would always, always be contention. And somebody had to arise in the, uh, to the occasion and say, enough is enough. And you've got to understand that whenever someone, please listen to me, uses his or her influence to try to separate and divide the body of Christ, listen to me, you yourself will never progress and you will never advance. Hello, somebody. You'll never move forward in your own life. This giant exists, existed in Corinth, and that's what Paul would say, hey, I've heard that there's division. Paul was in the middle of all this scandal because they were saying, no, I belong to Apollos and, and I, I belong to, to Cephas and, and I belong to, to Paul and I belong, and a few say, well, I belong to Jesus, okay? And so when this wolf arose and, and, and division came, the Bible says that Sebekai killed this giant. And Sebekai means to knit, to unify, to wrap, and to intertwine. And I believe that God in these last days 
is going to raise up men and women leaders that are going to say enough with division, enough with backbiting, enough with trying to create little clicks here and there, and they're going to believe what the Bible says. Oh, it says how wonderful and how pleasant it is when brothers live together and in harmony, people that are going to intertwine, people that are going to bring those that, that, that are white collars to work and live and live among and sit with those that are blue collars and that the one that drives a, a, a Mercedes will, 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 draw, will sit with the one that drives a bicycle, that the one that flies a plane is going to sit with the one that's just there as a manager or a janitor, wherever it is. God is going to raise somebody up to bring unity back to the church and slay the wolf of division and say enough is enough. Bible says that Sibekai was the Hushatite. No, that's, I'm not sneezing. That's the name of the guy. That he was a Shehushatite. And this means, listen, velocity, acceleration, quick advancement. I'll say it again. Velocity, acceleration, and quick advancement. In other words, when this wolf is slayed and killed in the church. Everything the church has desired, every dream that God's given to the church, everything that you have committed to God to, to do is going to come accelerated. It's going to come with velocity. It's going to come with quick advancement. You need to get ready because once this wolf is killed, you're going to begin to see your family members become saved and come to the Lord. In all the years that you've been praying, you're going to see them this year sitting next to you worshiping God. Everything that you've desired will come quickly because this wolf is no longer there to bring separation. The second wolf, his name is Lami. It's there in 1 Chronicles 20 verse 5. It says that he was there. The word Lami, the name Lami means, listen, bread, food, grain, eat, but this wolf is always there to devour and make war. Let me explain it to you. In other words, this wolf limits your abundance and provision that rightfully belongs to you that God has given you. But this wolf is eating up what's yours. This wolf is eating up that which belongs to you. And and and. Everything that you want to do as a church, everything you want to do as a family, seems like you can't do it. You're living from paycheck to paycheck because this wolf is eating up what belongs to you. And no matter what comes in, you can't fulfill the vision because there's no provision because the wolf is eating. The wolf 
is attacking your finances. The wolf is attacking the provision. The wolf is attacking that which God gave you. And there has to be somebody that says enough is enough with this wolf. And he's been huffing and he's been puffing. But he's not going to blow these dreams of this church, the dreams of my family. Or continue to steal and rob what is mine and what God has given me. And what God is wanting to give this church. The Bible says that Elhanan defeated this giant. And this Elhanan means his name, the grace of God, all-powerful God, the strong God, the favor of God, the mercy of God. In other words, Elnan understands I'm not motivated by what I see. I walk by faith and not by sight. And you may think that there's no money. And you may tell me, wolf, that there is no supply. But my God is the owner of the cattle of a thousand. Are you listening to me? My God says that he is my shepherd and I will lack nothing. My God said that he will supply all that is needed to me by his riches and glory. Somebody has to arise and shake yourself off and say enough with this and take that wolf and destroy him and release what God is wanting to release upon this church. And you are that church. That enemy wants to come and take what is yours. I've come to declare that if you are willing to turn things around and not look at what you don't have but what you do have. That's why David said magnify the Lord with me. He said, uh, your problem seems to be bigger than your God. Maybe you need to get a magnifying glass. And maybe you begin need to use the magnifying glass and see how big your God really is. Are you listening to me? And he says, magnify the Lord with me. Make him big. Make him bigger than your problem. Make him bigger than your lack. Make him bigger than your sickness. Make him bigger than your, 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 your a challenge. Make him bigger because he is bigger. Not only is this wolf defeated when Elnan arises, when Elnan says, I will bless the Lord at all times. Hello. His praises shall be continually in my mouth. That's how you kill that wolf, that you begin to glorify God, that he's the source of of all your income. He's the source of all your provision. He is the source. And when you can in the midst of battle and in the midst of trial and in the midst of crisis, open your uh, mouth like Habakkuk said. There may not be any cattle. There may not be any sheep. There may not be any olives. There may not be any figs. But in spite of all of that, I will still bless the Lord and praise him. The Lord, my Savior, who makes my feet like hinds feet and lets me climb the mountains. Hello? What happens when Elhanan arises to kill this wolf? Not only will you get what's yours, but you get ready because everything that this wolf took from your great-grandfather and everything that this wolf took from your grandfather and everything that this wolf took from your father, it will be released and you're going to fall into an avalanche of God's blessings to fulfill every project, every dream that God has given Kingsway and that God has given you as a family of God.
that wolf has to be snuffed out. Third one, I'm almost done. Pastor, you said that about 20 minutes ago. Wolf number three, interesting that he has no name. But he's distinguished from all the other ones. While this wolf, okay, you take care of bringing division. Hey, wolf, you, you take care of making sure they have no resources and no finances to fulfill their God-given assignment. You keep puffing and you keep puffing. Make sure that it never gets to them. Well, I'll take care of this part. Interesting that he doesn't have a name. But what distinguishes him from the other two and even from the other three is this. That he has six fingers in each hand and six toes in each foot. The number 12 in the Bible always represents government. But the number 24 represents perfect government. And this wolf wants to control and limit the administration of the church. He wants to control the ministries of the church. Hello. He wants to control the structure and the function of everything that makes up the leadership and governance of the church. This is the wolf. I know you don't have him here. I, I've, I've slayed many of them in my church. But uh, you can't be talking too much about giving offerings, Pastor. You're going to offend the people. So keep it on the low, the tithes and offerings. Oh, we don't want racket here. You're going to scare the people off with all your shadabakandarabasiria. So keep it, lock it, or leave it over there. Hello? I, I know you guys don't have that. I know you're a pastor. I know you're a pastor. But, but this wolf, he wants to control everything. He wants to control everything. He wants to, no, 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 no. I, I don't think we're going to talk about that. No, no, you're not going to talk about holiness in this holy house of God. Are you with me? This wolf wants to control what's being taught. Wants to control the administration. Yeah, even in the finances, that wolf. Oh, why are you giving so much to missions? If God loves them, he'll take care of them over there. Don't you know that we've got to protect Jerusalem? And invest Jerusalem before you can go to Samaria and Judea to the ends of the world. We've got needs here. That's going on. Hello. He wants to control everything. Well, I know you preach that, brother, but our constitution and bylaw says. Excuse me? Yes, on paper. You ask him to give you a scripture. Jesus wept. Where's it found? It, it's there. The Lord is my shepherd. Where's that found? It's there. Oh, but they'll get the Constitution on page 35, paragraph 6 of Article 3. Line number 7 specifically says, Hello.
you don't find it humorous, just laugh like everybody else. That way you won't give yourself away. I'm sorry, I, I was getting a flashback, Pastor, from our church, and for a moment there, this was just therapy. Y'all were just listening in on my session, okay? Thank you. But just like every other therapy session, it's confidential. They can't leave this place. Oh, too late, they're recording. The other church I used to pastor. <coughs> That's why we're now Life City Church. Vida City Church. Are you with me here, though? Hello, somebody. He wants to control everything. But a Jonathan rose up. He says, enough with this woofy, woofy. Okay, I'm going to chop you off, and the only woofy they're going to see here are my shoes. Y'all remember the woofy shoes? Y'all don't know what they are? There used to be a cartoon of a wolf. And every time he had a briefcase, and every time that he came out, it's those shoes that are like black and white. Or, or brown and white. They're like, you never seen them? Really? Wow, I'm that old. <laughs> They're those white and black shoes, you know. That, anyways, and because the wolf had them, that's what we would call them. Oh, the woofy shoes. Well, this, Jonathan says, enough with that, woofy. I'm going to cut you up and make you some woofy shoes out of that. And so Jonathan arises. Jonathan means the Lord has given. And he is the son of Shimei, or Shimea, which means amazing, a loud sound, an announcement, report, good news. In other words, you kill this giant, this woofy giant, you kill him, understanding that God is going to raise somebody that maybe was the least expected that maybe was ignored like David. And God is going to raise him up to declare, thus saith the Lord. Because whenever the enemy comes and whenever the wolf comes, we have the tendency to forget what God said. We begin to hear what the wolf says. And we tend to forget what the word of God says. And Jonathan is a guy that says, well, well, well wait a minute. That's why, that's why 1 Chronicles 16, 12 says, remember the wonders he has done. His miracles and the judgments he pronounced. There comes a time when this giant comes and wants to take over the administration and control what's going to be preached and control what's going to be. Oh, don't sing that song. Please, we're not going to have any of that. I know, have you ever heard that song in Spanish? Remolineando, remolineando. I mean, huh? Come on, anybody? Huh? And basically it gets remolineando, remolineando, da 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 da, da 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 da, remolineando. It's, it's going around in circles. Okay, okay, maybe you know this one. Y esa montaña se moverá. Se moverá, se moverá. Esa montaña se moverá, se moverá. Oh, no, you ain't going to be doing none of that here. <laughs> I don't think so. You do that, you can take three more steps and out that door. <laughs> y'all are laughing because I, I know y'all have never heard of this. 
I have. Your pastor has. We serve in this in the district position. And we have to travel. And sometimes we've got to go to some of these churches. Superintendent, yes. So what do you think about all these new songs that they're singing? And then you have a young person that says, and so, superintendent, what do you think about all these hymn book songs that they're singing? And y'all are saying, like, and what did you answer? I said, it just depends on your heart. Because whoever wrote the new songs of worship had an anointing and experience that made him write that, just like the one that wrote the hymn book thing. So you could sing all you want, the new songs, and hate the old songs, and all your new songs are just banging off the wall. They don't even pass the church ceiling. And you oldie people that you think just it's just these songs, I don't care how sacred you have that hymn book. It means nothing to God if your heart's not right. Hello? Yeah. We, we, we got to deal with these. Oh, and they want to sing that. And, and they want. <coughs> yeah. But there's a Jonathan that, 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 that arises and says, thus saith the Lord. This is what the word of God says. This is what God says. This is how God says. Oh, tithe, well, I, I, don't sit by me if you don't want to tithe. You, if you're robbing God, I may leave here without clothes. You might rob that from me. <laughs> sit over there. Why are you looking at me? You don't tithe. The Bible says you're a thief. Not only that, you're cursed. Hello? And, then, and, and, and that's the woofy that comes in and says, Pastor, I want to talk with you. Why? He says, I'm a thief. And I'm cursed. How dare he? Well, yeah, you are, according to the books here. And more than that book, according to this one. Okay, let me, let me finish. Yeah, y'all are like, okay. He's last woofy, okay, the fourth. His name is Ibish Benab. In 2 Samuel 21, we read it that David goes out to war and David gets tired. And it talks about that the, the, the spearhead of, of this giant, of this wolf, was a bronze spearhead that, that weighed spearhead that weighed more than seven pounds, and he was armed with a, a new sword. It's Benob. His name means this: dwelling place, to sit, to remain, habitation. In other words, he deals and he says this: "You, Woofy, make sure you bring division." You, Woofie, make sure they can cash their checks, do whatever you have to do. And that's true. When I took the church 25 years ago where I'm pastoring at, I mean, I'm not going to tell you what the name of it was before, but, I mean, it was a spiritual name. It's in the Bible. But the honeymoon was over three months when I took that church. IRS started writing me. IRS started sending me notes. And then after the notes, that was the nice part, they started sending me bills. And then finally, I paid those bills off, and then I get a note uh, or a letter saying, look, you got 90 days to pay this amount of money, or we're going to freeze all your accounts and take over the building. 
I said, I just got here. What did I do? And they're sure not paying me that much that in three months, oh. Well, the previous secretary didn't know that you were supposed to pay, you know, every three months, I guess it is every four months, the, the taxes of the minister and the tax, whatever it is, all that stuff. I'm not an accountant. But that's what it was. And, and it was like, what happened here? What? what? And, and there was no rest. There was a weight that came on. And the name of this giant, he says, look, you take care and cause division. You make sure there's no resources or finance coming in so they can fulfill their dreams and their projects. So in order for that to happen, you've got to unemploy them. You've got to lay them off. You've got to do whatever you can do. They don't have, and you, you take care of, hey, they're not going to be preaching this blood of Jesus that he's the only way. They're going to be playing, praying, you know, preaching that, you know, the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. And they ain't going to be doing that. You control that. You, you make sure, and I'll take care of the leader. I'm going to overwhelm him so much that he can't rest. He's not going to be able just to sit there, chill out. Hello, somebody. That's, that's the name. That's what it means. Dwelling place, sit, remain, habitation. Nob was the place when David was running from King Saul that he went to Nob to try and hide and rest from the persecution of King Saul. And this whole thing basically is that this wolf wants to frustrate you wants to tire you out, wants to bring so many things to you that there's burnout and that you abandon your assignment because you're too tired. The statistics are alarming of how many pastors and leaders resign a month. It's in the thousands nationwide because of burnout. How many divorces come in pastors and ministry because of their overwhelming task. Recently, pastors of, 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 of mega churches committing suicide because they can't deal with the issues and the pressures or maybe even their own immoral uh, 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 behaviors. That, And that's what this wolf does. If I can just get the man of God tired. If I could just overwhelm him with all these problems. If I could just get him to start the building project and then we cut off all his resources and then he's really burned out and frustrated because how am I going to continue building? Hello? But Abishai, the Bible says that just when this wolf is about to devour King David, Abishai shows up. And Abishai calls my attention because his name means my father is a gift. My father is a gift. He understood that his leader was a gift from God to his life. That's why he said, I'm not going to risk that the lamp of, of, of Israel be snuffed out. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. And there are words that come out of your pastor's and your leader's mouth on a Sunday that may not pertain for that week. But for some, it is a forewarning or it is light 
unto your path for what's coming next week or the next. And you come back and you say, thank God for that word that was preached. Thank God for that lesson that was taught. Thank God for the preaching that was delivered. Thank God because it delivered me. It helped me understand that when this moment came, boom, it was a light to my path. And I was able to walk straight and not fall into the temptation or into the trap of the enemy. But abishai are hard to find. Because abishais are those that are in the house. That understand that the leader, in this case that your pastor, is a gift from God. And that I'm willing and I understand that he's a gift from God. That any wolf that wants to destroy and come and hurt or harm my pastor, my shepherd, he's going to have to deal with me first. And I will put my face out first. I will put myself first before they come and touch. I wish there was somebody here that would witness them. You remember the story of the Shinnamite woman? The prophet Elijah, chapter 4, I believe it's 2 Kings. The prophet Elijah, it says that she would come, he would come, and she would insist for him to stay at the house. Remember that she built an upper room for him and a table, and she built a, 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 a bed, and she built all this so that he could, do you remember that story? That's another sermon, but what I'm trying to get at is when you read verse 8, she says, it says that this man, that she would always insist, and then it says this, and she told her husband, I now understand. I now understand that this man that comes here to our house is a holy man of God. That phrase, I now understand, means there was a time that I didn't understand he was a man of God. There was a time that I didn't understand he was sent from God. There was a time when I didn't understand that he was a man of God, appointed by God, to, that was sent my way. There was a time when I thought he was just like everybody else. But there came a moment in her life when she said, I now understand that this man that comes to our house is now a holy man of God. And when you understand the leader that God has placed over you that he is a gift from God you don't just acknowledge it by applauding and you don't just acknowledge him by shaking his hand the Bible says that when she acknowledged I now understand she says because he's a man of God we've got to do something different and what is that we've got to build a house a, a, a upper room over our house hello somebody I know I went off my track here but I believe I've got to say this I've got to I want you to build him a house listen on the now how on earth do you build an upper room without no stairs? So before I can build the house on top of mine, because I want the man to be over our room, over our house, because I want to be under the covering of the man of God, because the anointing flows from the top and flows all the way down. So in order to get him up there, I've got to establish the steps. Hello, somebody. And there are a lot of steps to get to the top. Some build two steps, and because, uh, it, well, it's a two-step. No, that's, that, that's a, but, but anyway, because I want to be here. Another one is a, a, a three-step, four. But there are people that says, I want to, I understand, and I want to see the man of God the way God sees the man of God. And I, I understand that he's the man of God, and he's going to bless me. And there's some things that will not happen unless the man of God is able to release that word. She couldn't get pregnant, and her husband was old, and she was sterile. But when the man of God, and she understood that he was a man of God, and he found out her need, he's released that word. And the Bible says that a year after that, she was holding that. I wish there was somebody here that would understand that the pastor that you have... The 
leader that you have is a gift from God and that you would become like Abishai and say, I am going to say and understand that because he is the man of God, I've got to invest in him. You got to kill that with me. I'll close with this because I, I, I know it's late. I've got to drive farther, I think, than all of y'all back to Houston tonight. But I had a, one of those woofies in my church. Come on, musicians. At least they'll think I'm about them. I know they've never done that to you, but I've preached, and all of a sudden I hear the music. I said, I didn't ask for music. I sure am not going to sing. But then I figured out it was like, And my mom once in a, my mom, my wife once in a while calls me, Farrell, 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 let my people go. <laughs> Love you, baby. Just in case she's watching. <laughs> Just kidding. But I had one of those whoopies. Came in there, says, so, you know, I get a salary. I don't, I don't get all the tithes. So if you learn to administer what God gives you, you, you can get what you want. And so I show up in a BMW. I downsize, by the way. Too many critics. No, I'm just kidding. Too many woofies out there that I haven't been able to get a hold of yet. No, I'm just kidding. And he says, and you know, the shoes that you wear. Okay. And he just started going off. So, the wolf slayer that I am, I text my secretary, said, bring me his giving. And, I mean, I lost it. I told him, look, they're sheep and they're pigs. Sheep give all their wool and don't say anything. And a little pig for the one or two hairs that he has on his back and gets in that line. <coughs> I said, that's you. I go, because what I have here, you, you, in all that you've given in the last three months, you couldn't even pay for one of the shoes, and I need two. <laughs> I go, and I, and I would probably have to wear bow ties because you couldn't afford the full length tie. I go, so the next time you see me with anything new, I want you to sleep tonight like a baby because... What you give, trust me, it doesn't come and it's not part of my salary. I go, you know where your money goes? It goes to the pesticide department. Thank you that we don't have cockroaches and mice. Because what you give kind of pays for that. So go home and thank God that, I know you don't have any babies, but your type goes to that. We don't have any cockroaches or mice because of you. And I applaud you and thank you for your, what you give. So the next time you see me with a tie, I don't know why I'm looking at the camera like if he's looking at me. <laughs> therapy, therapy. <laughs> see what ministry does? <laughs> see what some of these woofies do? That's why you got to kill them. Okay, I'll stop there. Do you know how they kill wolves in the winter? They put a knife in the snow 
dipped in blood. And that wolf comes and begins to go like this. And starts licking that knife because of the blood, not knowing that he's cutting up all his tongue. And he bleeds to death. You want to kill a wolf? Give him the word. Let him lick on that. And that wolfie of him will die and he'll be a sheep without wolf clothes. Hello, somebody. Would you stand to your feet right now? I hope I complimented the rest of you guys, man. It's tough to close a conference. You got these caliber generals out here. You know, 66 books in the Bible and they kind of use all of them and then they want you to get something out what's left. Okay, use one book. I'm okay. I'm going to ask you to come as leaders over here. And I want us to remember the call that we have. And maybe you need a fresh dose of the Holy Ghost. Because remember, you were appointed by him. Maybe you just need a refreshing. Maybe, maybe today you said, hey, I'm not that bad as all. I heard Pastor JR, he's really going to the mill there. I, I don't have woofies yet. But I know how to prevent them from coming in. I pray that something out of much that I said today will has encouraged you and says, yeah, man. We're going to feed the sheep and kill the wolf. Because every sheep that God has placed you over, no matter how good, how bad, how obedient, how rebellious, Jesus gave his blood even for them. To not go after them and seek them is to say your blood wasn't enough to purchase them. Your blood wasn't enough to cleanse them. But today, say, God, I, I'm challenged. There's somebody that tomorrow may not be in the chair, and it's been a couple weeks, but, but I'm hitting him up. I'm going to call him up. I'm going to take him some fried chicken. I'm going to take him a watermelon. I'm going to take him some fajitas. I don't care. Take, take him something, some chips and salsa. I don't care. Go visit him. Go visit her. Say, man, I missed you. We miss you. That's why we're coming for you. All the flock. My son had an accident, and we've been going to therapy. And they, I get those calls all the time. Just as, your da as the dad, I know it's for Joseph, but just to remind you of his therapy. And I'm like, but I'm not Joseph. I know, but you're his dad, and you've come with him before. So just in case he forgets, I just want you to know that he has therapy. Every patient. Huh? Y'all know when you were in school. Y'all got that note when you got when you skipped school. How do they know that you skipped school? JR. JR. Frank, present. Samantha, present. 
Hello? That's how they knew the roster. Do you have a roster of those that come to your youth group, come to your women's group, those that come to your Sunday school class as a teacher? Or it's like, well, if they want to come, they can come. You know? It's a free world. Or do you have a roster and say, man, I got five people that missed out today, and I want to I see if they're okay. Because blood was shed for them. That's a high price to pay. For the obedient that's here every Sunday, that same high price was paid for the one that stays at home. And the privilege that we got was that the Holy Spirit saw you and said, I see you as a leader. I see you as a leader. I see you as a leader. You can do this. Just, just go for it. I got your back. You, you can deal with this. You can deal with it. I, I got you. I know it's overwhelming because, because there's wolves, but, but, but I got you. But just make sure you're right. Take heed. Look, be on the guard. Watch your eyes. Watch your thoughts. Remember, people are looking at you. Give them the best that you can. Be my reflection here on earth. That when they see you, they see Jesus in you. Take heed. It's not just another profession. It's a calling. And God called you. Would you just raise your hands right now? I want to pray. Father, I thank you for this elite leadership group. I thank you for the burden you've placed upon them. Some of them are not only leaders in their church, but they're leaders in their region and even leaders, Lord, in their organization. Some of them are leaders even, Lord, to one or two, but they have the same price, your blood, your sacrifice. And so today we want to ask you to forgive us. Forgive us for ignoring this call that is so sacred and we've ignored searching ourselves. We've blown a gasket, Lord, just like I did today, just venting. You gave me two therapy sessions today. But it's, it's a ministry. And you called the disciples to be the first ministers and you sent them out as sheep among the wolves because you had seen a multitude that were like sheep without a shepherd. And you said that the, the harvest was plentiful, but the workers were few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send the workers. And at this altar, Lord, there are the workers that, Lord, we have prayed for. And they, they have responded. And I pray that there be an anointing like never before in 2019. As they carry out their mission, as they fulfill their God-given assignment. I pray that you would bring divinely assigned people to help and to undergird their ministry, their projects, Father. I pray that in this community community or where they live, that there be companies and there be, Lord, organizations that will see, Lord, favor in them and, and provide what they need, the church van, a youth van, Lord, a youth building, whatever it is that they need for their vision, a girl's, Lord, a, 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 a finances to, to, to provide for them to go to the girls' camp, whatever it is, God, I pray, Lord, 
Father, I pray for the leadership, Lord, as well, that you'd give them strategic ideas, Lord, and that you'd give them divine revelations and divine dreams, Lord, that they would be able to have strategies to be able to bring and, and attract those that they minister to, Lord. I pray that they would have, Father, consciousness that, Lord, you gave your life, that you want us to look for all and care for all the flock and forgive us for ignoring those that are rebels and saying, oh, it's better off if they don't come because they disrupt the class. Or, Father, forgive us. You're wanting to use us to bring life. Help us, Lord, to understand that every sheep is different and they're different in their character. But you've given us the fruit of the Spirit that we may be able to minister to them accordingly to their needs. You'll give us peace when there's turmoil. You'll give us love. When really they give us a reason to hate, you'll give us self-control when we want to lose it. The fruit of the Spirit, Lord, be revealed through us. Use our hands and use our feet. And use our mouth and use our ears. May we be an extension of you here on earth. And help us to live a life worthy of being a leader. So that when people see us, they'll see Jesus in us. And give us the courage to face the wolves that want to attack our fold, that want to attack our sheep. Give me the courage to arise. And Father, I pray that each leader will have an abishai. They'll see them and say, you're a gift. It was your teaching, it was your preaching that saved me from this. And I'm grateful. It was your, your counsel, Pastor, that, that saved my marriage. It was your counsel that, that turned my decision from a, a, what would have been an awful one to, to a wise one. It, it, you are the lamp uh, 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 that, that brings light to my situation. And you as a leader are the same lamp to those who you lead. I pray a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit to come upon you with a new desire Every burden, every frustration leaves in the name of Jesus. And I pray even now every sickness, because even ministry and even stress can activate sicknesses, but in the name of Jesus, I bind it in Jesus' name. Those back pains are because of stress, and those nerves tend to, to tie up there in your back, and that's why it's nothing, it's not a disc that's out of place. It's not in the name of Jesus. Be made whole now in Jesus' mighty name. That pain leaves every nerve, every tendon right now is released from the stress in the mighty, marvelous name of Jesus. Those migraine headaches are not because there's something wrong or you have some issue or, or something in the head that, that's abnormal. It's the pressure. It's the how do I deal with these things, but the Holy Spirit will give you wisdom. The Holy Spirit is going to give you counsel. The Holy Spirit is going to give you knowledge. He's going to give you what you need. And in the name of Jesus, those headaches leave in Jesus' mighty name. In the name of Jesus, you're going to begin to see things that you hadn't seen before. God's going to make you aware of things that most people would ignore and not see, but God's going to bring awareness to you. And you're going to have a greater passion for those that are even unlikable. He's going to give you 
the strategy and the love. And this 2019, get ready, there will be sheep in this fold, in your fold, that hadn't been there for a while. Just commit yourself to feed his sheep the word of God. In Jesus' name, in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Would you just worship him and thank him for what's coming upon your life. Thank him for that fresh anointing. Fresh desire. A new passion. God's going to interrupt your dreams. In the name of Jesus.